This is the last Sunday for me. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to me over the last month. Um, it has been such an adventure and really an honor. Uh, I am uh, so blessed uh, to think about, man, I get to I get to read this book and explain it um, to people and talk about Jesus, um, and I get I get paid for that. I get a I, it's insane that I get paid to play dodgeball and talk about Jesus. Um, <laughs> I love it. I've got the best job in the world. Wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, it is a little it is a little uh, difficult at times. The summer's been wild and crazy, so uh, I'm going on vacation next month for the glory of God, and I'm not. I'm just going to take a week and do nothing um, down, <laughs> down in South Carolina. It's going to be sweet. So anyways, uh, uh, if you want to turn, open your Bibles to 1 John. Uh, we're in chapter 4. We've been exploring this. Uh, we've been exploring this book of 1 John, and I've been encouraging you guys every single week to get into the Word, read the Word, and read this book over and over again. Many of you guys have... Uh, Many of you guys have talked to me about what you're reading and how God is speaking to you, and that's really cool. I know a lot of the youth have, have uh, said that they're reading this book, and um, they're kind of asking, okay, what, what, what do we read next? Um, you guys can start on Galatians. We're going to be talking about Galatians for a, a while up in the youth room. But uh, we're, uh, it's, it's been amazing to be a part of this community that is reading Scripture together, and our theme is knowing Jesus Christ, right? That we can know Jesus uh, like we would know a friend that we can sit down and um, have coffee with Christ and open up the Bible and get into his word and be able to hear directly from the God of the universe. And I was thinking about that and thinking about the importance of, the importance of being in this book, being in, uh, living in this word. Uh, I have no doubt that the Christian can survive you can follow Christ and you can survive without spending time in the, book, in, in the Bible and reading the Bible. But I don't think you can thrive without doing that, without really living and spending time in this book. Uh, oftentimes, guys, you, you hear me in the youth group talk about the importance of, okay, getting alone, opening up your scriptures, and uh, just reading, reading the Word of God because this is what we— depend on, right? We, we stand on the truths in this book. We stand on the truths written in this book uh, because there's many lies out in the world, right? There's many, there's other things uh, influencing us to think a certain way, do a certain, do certain things, and believe certain things, but this book, uh, this is what we stand on, right? This is what we base uh, our lives on. This is what, this is where we, uh, where we gather truth from, and if we're not opening it up and spending time in this book, with Christ, how, how much easier will it be for us to fall away? Uh, we want to, I, I want to encourage you guys, just spend time with this book. And I've just been amazed uh, over the last month, really, of, of how encouraging it has been for me to really deeply study First John. And um, I, I'm very, uh, very excited uh, what God is doing in, in this congregation here. And um, I hope you're excited as well. Uh, and like I said, man, I get, I get to do this for a living? No way. That's incredible. Um, so uh, we're going to read 1 John. I'm going to read verses, uh, or 1 John 4, verses uh, 7 through 21. And uh, it'll be up on the screen. You can follow along in your Bible or on your app as well. And uh, so let's read here. 
verse 7, chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his Spirit— uh, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, by, by this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let's pray. Father, I would ask for uh, your spirit among us this morning. I thank you for this church that we can come together and worship and be encouraged. God, I would ask that you would begin to do a work in our hearts, that you would open up our hearts and minds, that we may understand your word, and we would, we would leave here with an understanding of how to be more like Christ and how to glorify you more. Father, thank you for your written word, that we can open it and read it and know you. Uh, all glory and honor be given to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I don't watch much TV. Uh, I don't usually sit down and watch TV. Uh, if I do, I've got like my, my favorite, my few favorite shows. I think we all may have our few favorite shows. Like I love Duck Dynasty. Uh, and I, so I'll watch that. Um, but usually we live in 2013, so it's on the DVR, right? Or better yet, if I'm going to watch a show, like maybe I'll watch it on my computer so I can multitask and do emails and do all sorts of other stuff while like the show is going on in the background, so I don't even really watch it. But hey, this 2013, right? We don't. I usually don't sit down and watch a, a show from beginning to end uh, without fast forwarding through the commercials, right? Um, many of you guys are the same way, maybe. Uh, I'll, I'll watch sports. I mean, I love watching the Broncos get beat, but um, <laughs> so uh, I'll watch sports. That's about it. Um, it's kind of sit down and watch, watch that through. Uh, but I was sitting down the other night, um, and I, I wasn't watching something on the DVR. It was, it was late. I probably should have just gone to bed. But I was like, I'm watching this. I'm watching television, and I don't even know what I was watching. And these commercials come on, this foreign thing that I haven't seen in a while because I usually fast forward through them, right? And I'm watching these commercials, and something momentous happened in my life. I'm watching these commercials, and I realize that my life is incomplete. OxyClean comes on. 
And that guy, you know that guy, I don't even know his name, but he's, he's got this Australian accent, and he's like, Oxyclean is the most powerful thing you need. It'll make your brides broader and your wife's wider. You need Oxyclean. And he's, he's all com- he's completely passionate about Oxyclean and how it's the best thing to ever happen since sliced bread. And he's like, you got dog doo-doo on your carpet? Oxyclean will take that right out. You need Oxyclean? It's cleaning power. I'm like, whoa. My jaw drops. I'm like... My clothes aren't clean enough. <laughs> I've just been using the detergent that's on sale. I need OxyClean. Oh, my man, my life is not complete without OxyClean. My brights aren't bright enough. My whites aren't white enough. Oh, boy, I've been missing out. This guy was just so passionate and convinced me, you need OxyClean. You need OxyClean. And uh, then the next commercial comes on. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, I'm watching this and... I don't really play, play basketball. I kind of like might play around every now and then, but I'm watching this commercial and you better believe after this commercial, yeah, I want to play basketball because this like loud music comes on. It's like, I'm like, oh, what's going on? And this guy's like pumping iron and he's sweating orange sweat because he's drinking Gatorade. And I'm like, (laughs) yes, I need to play basketball. That's it. That's what's missing in my life. I need to play basketball and sweat orange sweat and drink Gatorade. That's that's what's going. That's what's missing. <laughs> and the that's what commercials do to us, right? They we watch them. We're like, oh my gosh, I need those shoes. My life is not complete without those shoes. Or how many of you guys have been watching? Like, oh, I need a truck now because that truck commercial is awesome. So that's what commercials do, right? They they convince us of what we need in life. Need, right? Uh, John explains to us. In his scriptures, he explains that when we look at the cross of Christ, we should look at it and say, I want to know that God. I want that. I, all of that passion, uh, in, uh, I, I want to know God. And that he's saying that the cross of Christ should point you to God. When we look at the cross, we should say, I want to know, know that God. What, what kind of God would, would sacrifice like that? I want to know that God. Uh, when we, and, and as John points out, he says that the love of God is shown through the cross of Christ. That the love of God is shown through the cross of Christ. So often we get discouraged and we forget the love of God. We, we forget what God has done in our life. Or we forget that God really does love us. And John says, look at the cross. Remember the cross because on that cross, that shows the love of God of God. Uh, verse 4, or 4, 8 says this, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. How many of you guys have heard that verse before? God is love. We like that verse. There's a, uh, it's kind of a, I think one of those banner verses in Christianity. Guys, we have it up in our youth room, right? It's a, a big poster to say, God is love. We like that verse. There's a lot of Christians that like that verse, and even non-Christians or uh, or, or people that hardly attend church w- would say, oh, God is love, right? God is love. And we love it because what we're doing is we're subtracting the things we don't like about God, and this one thing remains. God is love. So, okay, I don't like, I don't like God's uh, wrath. I don't, I don't want to take, a, I don't want, I, I don't like that attribute, attribute of God, and uh, I don't like uh, his justice because that means some people are wrong and some people are right, and he's always right, and I don't like— I, love. Yeah, let's just elevate love. 
right? But our culture has kind of skewed love a little bit, right? Our culture has kind of skewed love, and, and I think that what our culture says love is is not what Scripture says love is. They don't line up correctly. They don't line up all the time. Because if we say God is love, but what, we're, what we might be thinking in our minds is that, okay, uh, wherever love is, that's where God is then. Okay, I really love my car. That must, that must mean God's there. God's with me in my car. That's so sweet. I really love my dog. That means God is with me and my dog. I really love my cat. Said no one. I, I really... Uh, <laughs> right? But we, we, say, we say, okay... God is wherever love is. Wherever love abides, wherever love is, wherever these feelings, these emotions are, that's, that must mean God is there. And I think C.S. Lewis actually kind of hits the nail on the head. He explains this really, really well. C.S. Lewis says this in Mere Christianity. He says, of this verse, he says, Of course, what these people mean when they say God is love is often, t- is, is often something quite different. They really mean love is God. They really mean that our feelings of love, however and wherever they arise, and whatever the results they produce, are to be treated with great respect. Isn't that true? Like we, we, we elevate our feelings and say, that's God. These feelings of love are God. So whatever you're feeling, whatever, whatever emotion you have, whatever uh, affection you have towards anyone or anything, that should be treated as God. Obey that. But what scripture says is quite different. It says God is love. And if we know God, then we know love. And furthermore, God shows his love through Jesus Christ. God shows his love through Jesus Christ. Uh, verses 9 and 10 say, in this the love of God was made manifest among us. That, that means that, that God's love is literally shown among us, that we can see it, that we can understand it, that his love was, was made real among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Verse 10, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, some of your Bibles might say atonement uh, or atoning sacrifice for our sins. And we've talked about this big word, propitiation, before. A few weeks ago, I talked about it, and I called it a, a party word. If you go to a theological party, you can put it in your back pocket and pull it out, right? Uh, impress some people. Propitiation, right? Um, uh, I was just talking about some theological party words before I came in here. Um, it was sweet. So but this word propitiation, big word, but big meaning as well. And it means that, that uh, Christ stepped in and was the atoning sacrifice for our sins, that he took on the wrath and punishment that you and I deserved. That there was something that needed to be pacified. There was wrath that needed to be pacified. And Jesus stepped in and took that wrath for us. Uh, That is that Jesus Christ pacified the wrath of God for anyone who would identify as in Christ, anyone who would put faith in Christ. Jesus pacified the wrath of God. And and this, uh, this idea 
is when we start thinking about it, when we really start thinking about it, I think it, it kind of makes us feel uncomfortable a little bit. It kind of makes us feel uncomfortable a little bit because first, it doesn't line up with our idea of love, right? That if, okay, what, what John is saying is, okay, that's, that's the love of God. It is shown in God pouring his wrath out on his son. That's the love of God. That doesn't line up with our, with our version of love, right? That doesn't line up with how we want to view love. We don't want to view love as someone pouring out wrath on something. That's not loving. That doesn't sound loving. It makes us feel uncomfortable because that's, if that's how God shows his love. That doesn't line up with our, with our perception of love, our culture's perception of love. But John is saying, no, that is exactly what the love of God is. It makes us feel uncomfortable because uh, it makes us realize that we're disobedient. It makes us realize and come to terms with the fact that we deserved something. We deserved wrath. We deserved punishment. It makes us come to terms with the fact that we're sinful and we're disobedient. So that makes us feel uncomfortable as well. It's, oh man, like at first, that's not my idea of love. God pouring out wrath on something. Oh, that's not my idea of love. Likewise, that makes me feel uncomfortable because that means, that means I was deserving of, of wrath. I don't like that. But John says that it is exactly how God chooses to show his love for us. It's exactly how God chooses to show his love for us. It's crucially important. Uh, One uh, one, uh, commentator says, apart from this eternal truth, understanding what takes place on uh, on the cross, understanding that Jesus uh, took on the wrath of God for us, this eternal truth the death, without, uh, apart from this eternal truth, the death of Christ really cannot be adequately understood. If you take the death, if you take the cross, and you take the death of Christ, and you take his, his, uh, his atonement and, and his coming underneath God's wrath, if you take that out, the cross is, you can't understand it. It's, it's, it is uh, not adequately understood. So we, when we look at the cross of Christ, we must also look at what was accomplished there. And what was accomplished there. And John says that is the love of God. The love is shown in the cross. It is the love of God that that he would do something that you and I probably would never do. Pour out wrath and punishment on his own begotten son. It's, it's the love of God that, that would, he would look at us and not passively forgive us and say, I know what you've done to my son. I'm going to forgive you. No, but it's, it's the love of God that he would say, I know what you've done to my son, and in order to make it right, I'm going to put the punishment that you deserve on him. It's the love of God that would say, I don't want you to live in eternal torment, so I'm going to put what you deserve on my son so that you can live in eternal freedom with me. That is a love of God, that he would substitute his son for you and me, so that we could live with him. That's the love of God. And John says, if you want to understand love, if you, want to under- if you really want to understand love, then you have to look at the cross of Christ. See, the cross now, in, in that light, becomes of utmost importance. Galatians 6.14 is one of my favorite verses, but I say that like every single week. Like every, every verse I'm talking about, oh my gosh, this is my favorite verse. How many times have you guys heard me say that? Often, right? It's like, oh, Brooks has a new favorite verse. But this one is good, okay? This one it really is good. 
<laughs> this is Paul writing to the, uh, to the uh, Galatians, and he says, uh, Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world was crucified to me and I to the world. What he's saying is, I'm not going to boast in anything else. I'm not going to put my stock in anything else. I'm not going to talk about anything else. There's nothing else that saves me except the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm going to boast only in that cross. There's nothing else that saves me. There's nothing else that changes me. It is because of the cross of Christ. How amazing is that? That means when we can look at our faith and if there's, if there's life change in us, we can't boast in anything. We can't say, oh yeah, it was a lot of hard work and I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and I got things done. No, it is because of the cross of Christ and the Holy Spirit in your life. Paul is saying, well, I can't boast in anything else. I don't want to boast in anything else. The cross of Christ saves me. The cross of Christ sustains me. How amazing is that? I got my haircut this week. And I've been going to the same— Yeah, someone was clapping. <laughs> yeah, it's a big, it's a big accomplishment. Um, I've been going to the same lady for years and years and years— uh, she's a non-Christian. Real, really, she's kind of a de-churched. She kind of doesn't want to go to church, and little does she know, I'm praying her into the kingdom. Uh, <laughs> so she's going to show up here one Sunday, and you guys got to be nice. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but I, I have, I, every time I go to get my haircut with her, we have these conversations, um, real conversations, because she knows where I stand, and I talk to her about what I believe and what I'm doing, and, and, uh, uh, so we have these conversations a lot of the time and about like real things, big matters, like uh, what, the, what the church is doing and how people are acting. And there's another one of her clients that comes in and he's a Christian, um, but he's kind of, he kind of is a little, little off and she's kind of explaining to me what he was doing and he's proselytizing um, to the homosexual community. And he's, he's saying, okay, you got to, you got to change, and you have to watch this video. And once you watch this video, then pray this prayer, and you're gonna you're gonna change. And she, my hairdresser was like, "Okay, Brooks, that's not right, right? That's not that's not what I don't know. I don't read the Bible, but that's not what the Bible says, right? It doesn't say watch a video, right? I, I I don't I don't think I know I don't know too much, but I think I know that's true. That's not right, right? I said, "Yeah, it's it's not. You're right. It, there's nothing that we can do." that changes us. It's only Jesus that changes people. It's only Jesus and the cross of Christ that changes people. Yeah, Jesus doesn't want us to live in sin. And I, and I told her, I'm like, I don't want to go through and identify sins, what's sin and what's not. I, I don't want to get into that right now because I know that I'm a sinner. I've sinned in my past. I'm a sin in my future. But I know that I've changed and I'm a changed person. And it's nothing that I've done, but it's because of Jesus. See, we can, we can talk about all these cute topics we want. We can, you can take a class on how to manage your money, but that's not going to save you, right? You can read a book that says 10 ways to have a better friendship, and that's, that might be good, but that's not going to save you, right? You can, you can work on having a better relationship with your dog, but that's not going to save you, right? It's, it's Jesus that saves people. And that's why from, from up here, we talk about Jesus Christ and we talk about scripture because it's Jesus and the cross of Christ that saves people and changes people. As Paul writes, I'm going to boast in nothing else except the cross of Christ. 
If there's any change in your life, if there's anything, uh, if, if anything is going well in your life, it's because of the cross of Christ. It's not because of a five-step program or a class or a topical lesson. It's because of Jesus Christ. And I love that. It's, it's Jesus that saves people. And it's the cross of Christ that is of utmost importance. And God says, if you want to understand my love, look to the cross. If you want to understand how much I love you, look to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then uh, it says, when we do that, when we start looking to the cross, that love is perfected in us. It says, verse 12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. His love is perfected in us. And he goes on to explain what that is in verse 17 through 19. He says, By this love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. The first thing he mentions here is confidence. He says uh, that, that we have confidence for the day of judgment. Now that's a real day. We're going we're gonna to die and we're going to stand before the judgment seat. And, and God is going to say, I know you or I don't know you. And, and what, John is, or, uh, what John is saying here is that we can have confidence for that day because of the love that's in us, because of the love of Jesus on the cross, because of what happened on the cross, we can have confidence that on that day, we're going to be let into the, king, let into the kingdom of heaven. We have confidence because of what Jesus has done for us. So uh, I'm going to ask you this question. When, when difficulty arises up in your, li- in your life, what, do you, what is your natural response? When difficulty comes up, when life is difficult, uh, what is your natural response? Is it, to, is it to hunker down and hold on a little bit longer and say, you know what, if I just wait, I'm going to ride out this storm and it's going to be okay. And, uh, and I know that it may be, I may have, I have to try a little bit harder, but if I just hold on, then this is going to pass. Or do, you, or do you stand up in confidence and say, you know what, I know that life is hard, but at the end of this life, I'm going to stand before the judge and I know that he's going to say, well done, because I am in Jesus Christ. What about, uh, what about when, when failure comes up in your life? Does uh, the thought of failure uh, keep you from doing things or stepping out into faith? Uh, John says here, It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. If love is perfected in us, there's no fear in us. That oftentimes we we go through life and we we worry, okay, if if I step out in faith, if I do this and this, am I going to fail? Am I going um, to—is it not going to work out for me? Is maybe—do I I need to count my my sins and make sure my good outweighs my bad? Or or can I walk in confidence— or am I fearing the judgment day? Now, I, I think this idea of fear is really interesting because how often does fear keep us from 
doing things. How often does fear keep us from, okay, I'm, I'm worried that uh, I'm not going to be able, uh, if, I, if I serve in the, in the children's ministry, I'm not going to be able to serve very well. So I don't want to take that risk. I'm just going to play it safe in my life, and I don't want to step out in faith at all. I just want to be as cautious as I can. I want to live in a gated community and walk around and make my kids wear helmets all the time. And I don't want, I don't want to step out in faith at all. I'm, I'm fearful of what might happen. I don't want to go serve in the, in the youth ministry because I'm, I'm worried that I might not do a good enough job. Or I don't want to go on a missions trip uh, because, oh man, what if, what if I just completely fail? Or worse yet, what if God calls me to go and move <laughs> as a missionary? That's what God did in my life. We went on a missions trip and we accidentally became missionaries. And if, I haven't, if you haven't heard that story, come and talk to me and I'll, I'll tell you. But perfect love casts out this fear. Perfect love casts out the fear of, of looking at ourselves and thinking, okay, I might not be adequate enough. I might, I might not be able enough to do what God asks me to do. I only want to give, I don't want to give 10%. I only want to give like some percent so I can buy video games for my kids because that makes them happy. And, and if I didn't do that, then, oh man, I don't know what my life would be like. We, we live in fear because we're looking at ourselves and we're not looking at the cross of Christ that, no, it is paid for. It is finished. You, you can walk in confidence and you can step out in faith and believe that, yeah, Jesus supplies everything you need and he sustains you. See, so you're going to mess up. You're going to go through this and that, but Jesus sustains you. That's love perfected in us. That's what happens when we start looking at the cross of Christ. John 10.10, 10, Jesus is talking. He's talking to his disciples, and he's explaining this. He says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I love that because Jesus is saying right there, he's, 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 he's looking at the cross. He knows what is coming in his life. He knows that he's going to die, and he's going to take on the sins of the world. He knows that. And he's saying, I've come that they may have life abundantly. That you don't live in fear of stepping out. You don't live in fear of, uh, 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 of failure, but you can live an abundant life and go all in with, in faith in Jesus Christ and knowing that, okay, he sustains me. I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to serve a little bit more because he sustains me. I'm going to give a little bit more because he sustains me. I'm going to go on a missions trip. It might be crazy, but I know that he sustains me. I'm going to step out at work. I'm going to start sharing my faith a little bit more. It's going to be hard, but Jesus sustains me. He says life abundantly, not a fearful life, living, living in fear of what might happen or what people might think. Jesus says, I've come to give you life abundantly, and that comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. And love perfected in us, when we start seeing love perfected, it results in community, and it results in in unity. I love this. It results in community and it results in unity. Uh, verse, verse 12 says, no one has ever seen God. We, we can't look at God, right? He's not out there to just like look at and say, oh wow, there is God, uh, right? We can't see God. It says no one has ever seen God. We've seen attributes of God and we can see uh, characteristics of God. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, verse 12 says, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. That, saying that when, when love is perfected in us, we become more unified, and those outside can see what God looks like because of how we act. 
and how we treat each other and how unified we are. Love perfected in us results in unity and community. I uh, love this verse, um, John 17, 23. I'm going to flip there. Um, I don't have this one memorized, but John 17, 23, uh, uh, Jesus is talking with his disciples. He's actually praying with them, and he's praying for them, and he's praying for us. This, this verse, uh, this whole chapter is the high priestly prayer, and this is, these are some of the last words Jesus says before, uh, before he goes to the cross and, and is resurrected and ascends into heaven. These are some of the last words he says, so they're important. But he's praying for his disciples, and he says this, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Jesus is saying that if we're unified, if his disciples are unified, if his church is unified, the people will look on and and say, yeah, I know Jesus Christ is for real because of how they're acting. I know Jesus Christ is for real because of how they act with each other. I know that Jesus is from God because of their unity and their community. How amazing would it be, I've talked about this before, that if, if we went out and, and we lived purposefully on mission for Christ and we, we were going out into our workplaces and our, and our communities and our neighborhoods and we were sharing the love of Christ and we were sharing Jesus with people, it would be tough, right? We would have some pushback, yeah? It wouldn't be easy, but we would begin to need this community in here. When you start stepping out in faith, you can believe that there are going to be things that come against you, but what would also happen is you will need this community in here. You'll need to be encouraged on a Sunday morning or, or, or your midweek Bible study or your connect group. You'll need to be encouraged because, yeah, life is tough out there, and I, I need you to encourage me a little bit. I need you to pray for me a little bit. How can I pray for you? This community would look radically different if we really needed each other. And he says if love is perfected in us, we will need each other. Uh, Nietzsche is uh, attributed with saying, um, saying this, you know, Nietzsche, he was um, a big critic of, of Christianity and talks about Jesus Christ. He says this, I might believe in the Redeemer if his followers looked more redeemed. <laughs> Why would I believe in that person if he hasn't changed their life at all? Why would I believe in their Jesus if they're, if they're not unified, if they're not living like they are actually redeemed? How we operate and how we treat one another in here matters to people outside the church. And what John is saying is, man, it it shows people God. It shows that God is real. It shows that Jesus is from God. Uh, Lastly, love perfected in us means that we understand that... uh, that God first loved us. In verse, verse 19, uh, verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. I'm going to have, um, where's the band? I'm going to have you guys come back up here. Uh, we must understand, if we, want, if we want love to be perfected in us, we must understand that uh, we didn't do anything to deserve this love from God. 
We didn't, uh, we didn't pass a test and get a good enough grade that, that we deserve some love from God. No, uh, we, are un, we are not only undeserving of God's love, we are ill-deserving of God's love. We went out of our way to be against God. And he says, you know what? I still, I still love you, and I'm still going to send my son for you. That he died for us while we were still sinners. And that is the love of God, that he loved us first. And if there's any love in our lives, if we're treating anyone with love and respect, it's not because we've done a good enough job. It's because, no, Christ is working through us, because he first loved us. So our love then is now a response to God's love in our lives. And if we want to understand this, if we want to understand the kind of love that God has, we're supposed to look to the cross of Christ, to the sacrifice of Christ, to, the, to Christ coming underneath God's wrath for you and for me. Only then will we understand and live in perfected love. This life-changing, radical, life-altering love comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. This week, I want you guys to live in response of the cross of Jesus Christ. That live in response of the love of God shown on the cross of Jesus Christ. And understand and know and believe that any love that is in your life, any life change that is in your life is because of Jesus Christ. Thank you guys for hanging out this morning. You guys are dismissed.